So we do this thing at Tri-Cities. We, we talk about big truths and big ideas. And sometimes people come in and go, why do you use those handles? Why do you use those terms? Uh, we're teaching you hermeneutics without the big words. Uh, and if you don't know what hermeneutics means, it doesn't matter. See, it's, it, 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 we're teaching you how to study your Bible, how to interpret Scripture. And so what happens is when we read God's Word, truth is revealed to us. That truth has implications in the way we live, the way we think. And so what we try to do as best we can is as we are walking through the text is to hold out those big truths that are proclaimed and revealed in Scripture, kind of the main point, if you will. But we do something that I think is really helpful for us in our context. As uh, people, we're pretty distracted, and we don't just think a lot. Um, we have phones, we have a gazillion things that are going on in our life all the time that just help us go from thing to thing to thing, and we have very short attention spans. We just do. And the days of us just, us just sitting around, spending the evening, thinking through these truths, meditating on them, screening them against the whole council of Scripture, that's largely lost on us. We might even say things like, we don't have time to do that anymore. And so as a church, what we try to do is to help you think and talk about these big truths, that you would see the implications um, in your life. We're in Hebrews chapter 11 as we're walking through our study of Hebrews, and I, I give that setup to just let you know something. Truthfully, the big truth of all of this section isn't really in chapter 11 at all. We find it at the end of chapter 10 and the beginning of chapter 12. Chapter 11 sets aside as an illustration, illustrations, examples. They're examples. And I don't know if there are any of you like me, but I often try to convey and communicate through examples. My daughter is tired of dad's examples. Like I come up with stuff and I'm trying to make sure she understands the implications of those truths. And that's what we find in Hebrews chapter 11. So we'll come back to that, but it's just a great thing for you to kind of understand why we do that as a church. It overlaps into our family discipleship plan and we use those as not just teaching handles, but handles to help us communicate with one another around God's truth. So I hope they serve you well. A decade or so ago, when I came to Tri-Cities, I asked the elders at the time, how many people that gather on a Sunday at Tri-Cities do you believe are authentic Jesus followers? There was quite a bit of discussion and we kind of talked about it for a while and if my memory serves me correct they they ended up saying about two-thirds meaning one-third of the people at TCBC at that time they did not think they had authentic saving faith the truth is that number is kind of low in comparison to what a lot of leaders have thought and spoken about when it comes to this thing. I mean, Billy Graham once said 85% of church members are lost. 
over the course of his time in his life, that number moved around because he's just guessing. Most of the time it would be around 40% to 50%. He would kind of use that consistently. W.A. Criswell said, I would be surprised to see even 25% of my church members in heaven. Why? Why do these pastors, these leaders, why is there such a huge disconnect? How does that, how does that happen? And the reality is there is a massive, a massive disconnect between the Bible's description of faith, of authentic faith, and the description within the American or the cultural Christianity around us. They're greatly different. And it's significant because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul writes and says, By grace you have been saved through faith. So what is saving faith? What is the faith through which salvation comes? That's not the direct question asked in Hebrews 11, but for us today, it may very well be the most significant implication. So all I'm asking you to do is keep it in mind as you read and as you study and as we teach through this great chapter. Also, I want you to remember in Hebrews chapter 11, the subject is Jesus. It's Jesus. The people that are listed are not the subject. They're really not the point. They're illustrations. They're examples. See, the author is saying that authentic faith does not shrink back. That's the term he uses in chapter 10, verse 39. Authentic faith doesn't shrink back, but looks to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. That's how chapter 12 begins. See, Jesus founds our faith. He establishes our faith. Jesus is the source of our faith. Jesus also perfects our faith. Jesus fulfills our faith. In other words, Jesus is the hope of our faith. See, our faith is only as strong as the subject, and that's not these guys. The point isn't be like Abraham. The point is not be like Moses or be like Rahab. The point is, see what God did through authentic faith. See what God did. Jesus is the better hope. He will not forsake you. He is good. He is God. We can trust him just as these trusted him. And he delivered. That is the point. It's about him. A month ago, we were in Hebrews chapter 10. And I took us to Romans chapter 5 and said, this is a great parallel for this section of scripture, Paul writing to the Romans is unpacking some of the same conceptual thoughts. I want to take you back there and read this to you now as you consider chapter 11. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Now listen. And hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you see it? It's about who he is. Our hope, our faith does not put us to shame. Hold fast. Do not shrink back. Look to Jesus. See, authentic faith is lived out, and it's hard. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Faith is costly. And through all these examples that we will see in the pages of Scripture, it was costly. It cost them. Is it costly for you? And the only real argument we would say, if we would say it's not, is that we must live in such a holy culture that to follow Jesus in faith is affirmed. Do we think that's true? Faith is costly. It costs you your time. It costs you your possessions. It costs you friends and family. It will cost you this life, but it will not put you to shame because Jesus delivers. See, that is saving faith. That is the cry that in and of myself, I have no value, no worth. I have no hope. Death to self. But there is life, deliverance, salvation in Jesus. There is redemption in him. So the author of Hebrews is making this point. And from the beginning, God has revealed himself. Remember back in chapter 1, first through the prophets, but now in Jesus, who sacrificed himself and is now and forevermore our high priest our mediator, for those who through faith have access into God's presence. This is our confidence, chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus is the better hope, and in faith we profess he is God. Apart from him there is nothing, and in him there is everything. There is life, hope. Hence, such faith cannot shrink back. It's lived out. It's alive. It's life-changing. And in chapter 11, the author is making the point with these examples, descriptive illustrations of authentic faith. As the cool kids in the room would say, the author of Hebrews has been keeping receipts. All right? And he wants us to see 
And so as we walk through it, there's three just kind of summary big truths that we're kind of working through that describe these examples. Last week, we saw that faith in Jesus brings obedience. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Next week, faith in Jesus brings endurance. We'll see those in the example. We'll see that in the examples. This week, faith in Jesus brings deliverance. Deliverance is the great need of mankind. We are not independent. We are not sovereign. We're not in control. We're not self-sustaining. We're not all-knowing. We're not all-powerful. We're not always capable. We're not even in right standing with the one who is left to ourselves. We are limited, sinful, vulnerable, unfaithful, enemies of God, deserving his wrath. And our world is broken, unjust, hateful. Left to ourselves, we are doomed. We have no hope. We need deliverance. You and I need deliverance. And our daily lives make it known to us. They are filled with hardship and suffering and evil and death. Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So you're either distracting yourself from the need of deliverance, or you are hoping for deliverance. Just like real talk for a second, like and just break it down and just be really common. If, if this life is your hope, your joy, your source of assessment, there is a reckoning coming for you. And I don't even mean just a final judgment before God. I mean in this life. See, there is coming a point in your life where the present takes more from your past than it gives to your future. Just ask the elderly around you. They will tell you. There is no distraction sufficient. You will reach the point where the days remaining in this life, your future has neither the time nor the nature to give back what was. And if your hope is in this life, there will be more lost than what is hoped for. See, your mind, your strength, your health, your possessions, your spouse, your family, your friends, those most precious to you, if all you have is this life, it is fleeting. It's fleeting. And there will come a time where you will have to reckon with the reality that you cannot distract yourself from that. James 4.14 says, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. This life is fleeting. And I know what you're thinking. Daniel, you're being a bummer. <laughs> This life is fleeting. But church, listen, 
there is a better hope. Galatians chapter 1, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This life is fleeting, but there is a better hope. Through faith, there is access to more. So with faith, hold fast to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Do not throw away your confidence. Endure. The righteous, they live by faith. They don't shrink back. Our hope does not put us to shame. Instead, we are those, verse 39, who have faith and preserve their souls. So chapter 11 begins, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is, a, it is alive in us. It looks beyond the present with the assurance that Jesus will deliver a better future. That he will reconcile us to our creator and our purpose. And we'll pick up in verse 23 this morning with the examples for today. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses... When he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry ground. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Our big truth, faith in Jesus brings deliverance. Notice verse 26. Moses considered the reproach of Christ. For he was looking to the reward. In other words, he was looking forward considering Christ, looking forward beyond the circumstances of his life for a deliverance, not in some abstract idea of God. No, he was looking forward to the Messiah, to the deliverance that would come through the work of the Lord. These Old Testament examples of faith looked 
forward to Jesus. They are descriptive testimonies of authentic faith and again, not in some abstract idea, not in their earthly circumstances, but rather a faith in Jesus who would deliver their hope. And so there are so many implications that this would have on the way that we live. I want you to see a few of them. We're going to spend most of our time here on the first one. Because I think for most, it, it really does kind of bring a tension into it, a reality into it. Our children are delivered by faith in Jesus. And when we see this, remember, these are descriptive examples. And we see this example, we're going to be talking about children because we're talking about Moses' parents and Moses, the child. But I want you to understand in a broader context and just get something. Our most cherished relationships, those who are most precious to us, are delivered by faith in Jesus. Verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. It means precious. It doesn't necessarily mean pretty, like attractive. It means of value, great value. Newborn babies aren't always pretty. Just, I'm going to say that. Don't throw anything at me. It's not. It's why we say things like, oh, it's so precious. That's, that's, anyway, you can do it that way you want. <laughs> they were not afraid of the king's edict. In Exodus chapter 2, God's people were enslaved in Egypt, and the Pharaoh had made it a law that all the males born to the Hebrews were to be killed. Every male child to be killed. And here in Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the author is making it a point to say it was the faith of Moses' parents to hide their son and act in defiance. See, verse 23 isn't about Moses. It's one of the great like just misses in the church that this section doesn't come into more parenting conferences and teaching see verse 23 is about Moses's parents see Moses is a baby it's about the faith of his parents see his parents acted in faith they lived their faith out they didn't act in fear and instead they hid Moses And Moses was delivered and became the Moses we know through the faith of his parents. A few things to just notice here. They were not afraid. Now, this is worth just making sure you understand what's being communicated. They felt fear, I assure you. They felt the emotion of fear. But they acted by the truth of their faith. This is the context. They acted on their professed hope, not their felt fear. We are crippled by how much we prioritize our felt fear over our professed faith. 
If you are in this room and you are an authentic Jesus follower, God has revealed himself and made himself known through this word. There are promises and truths that are given to you in here in which you stand on that are greater than the circumstances that you live in, that are greater than the fears you feel. Our emotions are broken and they lie to us. And here, they felt fear. This is the life of their child and all of their family. And yet they acted on their professed hope. See, authentic faith doesn't mean we never have a doubt. It doesn't mean there's not emotions of fear. It means we are resolved to live according to the truth revealed and professed in our faith. And so the author is immediately waiting this real tension, this parent-to-child tension. And one of the things I'm not going to do this morning is go back and really unpack all of these examples. As the author writes this to an Hebrew audience, the expectation is they know these stories. They understand the context. I would encourage you, if you don't know about Moses, if you don't know about the walls of Jericho, if you don't know about Rahab, go back and study these passages. But he's writing and he's making this point that the faith it took to hide Moses was incredible. And some of you are saying, well, I would hide my baby. But you've you got to think through it. You're going to risk the lives of your other two or three daughters? Your husband? By the way, you don't live in subdivisions like you do now, isolated. You're in a whole block with all of your extended family. Your brothers and your sisters and their kids? Your grandparents? You're going to risk it all? Can you not see... And feel the temptation to compromise in fear. See, Jesus is the only hope for your children. Let me, let me give you a different, more modern example, okay? You feel the, the tension to compromise to our fear rather than to live out our faith. Um, a few weeks ago, California State Assembly passed Bill 95739. It was vetoed Friday, by the way. But it passed and ran for about two weeks before the governor vetoed the bill. It simply did this. In custody hearings, so think of like a divorce or something like that, there's a custody hearing over a child. The law passed said that the affirmation of gender must be considered. You say, well, what do they mean by affirmation? Bill said, affirmation includes a range of actions and will be unique for each child. In other words, it's subjective. By unique, it means it's determined by the child. Not truth, not the Bible, not parental authority, but each child. By the way, this was why it was vetoed. But California State Representative Lori Wilson said this, Parents affirm their children. Typically, it happens when their gender, gender identity matches their biological gender. But when it doesn't, the affirmation starts to wane. What's mentioned in the law is the child's gender and identity expression. 
and the parent's affirmation of that. Whatever that expression is. Because that's our duty as parents. It is to affirm our children. Now, before we start to bow up like proud rednecks, you know, from East Tennessee, for something that hasn't hit our families maybe just yet, can we be honest with ourselves? We've shrank back on biblical teaching on divorce because of the expression of our happiness and the happiness of our kids and the happiness of our friends. And who doesn't want to feel happy? We've shrank back on the biblical teaching on service over the, exp- the expression of self-care. I mean, who doesn't want to treat yourself? We've shrank back on biblical teaching on obedience over the expression of freedom. Who doesn't want to do what they want to do? And so now, with gender defined by our expression of affirmation, I mean, who doesn't want to affirm their children? Who wants to be identified as a bad parent who doesn't lovingly affirm their children by their own kids and their own community? See, authentic faith doesn't waver. It doesn't shrink back and forth depending on the stakes. It is anchored that Jesus is the deliverer. Is your faith for the deliverance of your children in him or in you? In fear, would you affirm your kids' sin, or in faith, lose your custody, your presence, your reputation, their perception of you? Or would you find a way to compromise? Do you act in fear or live by faith? So what does this have to do with saving faith? Look at chapter 11, you guys. Do you see? It's examples like this that are held out. They are examples that cry out and say, Jesus is God. Apart from him, there is nothing. And with everything, I trust him. Authentic faith isn't isolated to a stated value. Faith is practiced. We live it. Faith in Jesus is greater than even our relationships. It will not put you to shame. He and he alone is your hope. God delivered Moses' life. He will deliver the life of your children. Our identities are delivered by faith in Jesus. Verse 24, by faith Moses when he, has, or when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
Man, one of the great ways to expose the lack of authentic faith is our unwillingness to find our identity in Jesus. Moses had elite status within the world's superpower. Moses had an adopted family that took him in and cared for him. We are under constant temptation in our culture and in our heart to find our identity away from Jesus. And let me be really clear, there is only one identity that matters. A redeemed child of God. It's not your gender, it's not your race, it's not your family, it's not your nationality, it's not your friend group. We belong to Jesus. We are children of God. Authentic faith isn't isolated to a stated value. It is practice. We live it. Faith in Jesus is greater than your earthly identity. So do not shrink back. Your faith will not put you to shame. It did not put Moses to shame. God delivered Moses' belonging. Next, our treasures are delivered by faith in Jesus. Verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He was looking to the reward. Looking forward. Notice Moses lived according to a future treasure. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Listen, the treasures of Egypt (laughs) were expressed in the present. They were tangible. He could touch them, feel them in that very moment. While the treasures of faith were not yet fully delivered. And yet, Authentic faith is not some isolated, like just stated value in something we say. No, it is practiced. We live it because our faith in Jesus is greater than our earthly treasure. And church, be encouraged. Your faith will not put you to shame. God delivered Moses' treasure. Our hopes are delivered by faith in Jesus. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. It says, they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses' parents, Moses, their hope wasn't in some earthly king. It wasn't in a president, it wasn't in laws, it wasn't in government. Moses left enduring injustice from an earthly king, seeking just deliverance from the king of kings. It takes faith to initiate conviction. Moses wasn't suffering the beatings of the Hebrews. He's elite. He's comfortable. His life is good. He's not suffering. He can just be quiet and live the good life. It takes faith. 
See, Moses wasn't personally facing the injustice, but he did something that comes rather unnatural to us. He initiated action. Why? The author of Hebrews says, because of his faith. There's this, I've spent many years as a college professor and teaching, and there's a lot in that about learning theory. There's this old example, and it's used, been used a long time. You've probably heard it. There's this government professor, and it's an illustration on learning theory and justice. But he walks in the first day of class, and he kicks out the sweetest, kindest person in class, and he tells them to get out. And the rest of the class just stares. And when they leave, he asks the students, why do we have laws? And one of them says, justice. And then he asks, was I unjust just then? And the class nods and quietly says yes. And then he asks, well, why did not any of you object? And they sat there quietly. And he looked at them and he said, you didn't object because you were not affected. So what's the connection? Authentic faith is marked by convictions beyond yourself. Your life does not exist just for you because your life is more than today. You look forward. And these unseen convictions, so certain, so anchored, they are assured hopes. They cause us to repeatedly act and live beyond present self. Because we no longer have self-interest? Of course not. But because in faith, in faith, Jesus is our self-interest. It's not that we're no longer selfish. It's that in faith we realize everything is in him. Everything is in him. Faith in Jesus is greater than your earthly hopes. It will not put you to shame. God delivered Moses' justice and hope. Finally, our lives are delivered by faith in Jesus. Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry ground, dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. In the Passover, faith delivered Israel's firstborn. In the Red Sea, faith delivered Israel's escape. In Jericho, faith delivered Israel's victory. In Rahab, faith delivered Israel's spies in her life. See, faith isn't just some stated value. It is practice. We live it. And faith in Jesus, are you ready, is greater than our life. Why? Because faith in Jesus is not some abstract idea that's added on to us. Because authentic faith in Jesus recognizes he is God. He is sovereign. And all of our hope and all of our life is in him. It will not put us to shame. 
And so Paul writes to the Colossians. As the team comes up, I want you to hear some verses. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Paul says, he, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has delivered us. We are saved by grace through faith. It is faith in him point isn't be like Abraham. The point is see what Jesus does through faith. He delivers. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. In Matthew 10, 39 and 16, 25, Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So what am I saying? Am I saying try harder? No. No. I am saying don't shrink back in fear. Don't shrink back in fear. Live with the assured hope that is in Jesus constantly repenting, turning to him again and again with every moment and every circumstance of your life. Because this is what authentic faith looks like. And if that doesn't mark your life, you're finding yourself out of the examples that our New Testament are filled with, outside of the examples that Hebrews 11 is filled with. I love the way Paul says it to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, and we'll close with this. Paul's writing and he's talking about the circumstances of his day, and he says, He, meaning Jesus, delivered us from such a deadly peril. Are you ready? And he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Our faith in Jesus is not remembering some decision made years ago. Our faith in Jesus is an assured hope that he is God and that life and deliverance is in him today and tomorrow, whatever this world would bring to us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are a great God, worthy of our lives. Thank you for the deliverance that is in your son, Jesus. Amen.